So good. It's good to be in the house today. Oh, it's good to be with you all today. God did something awesome. He's doing something awesome. Uh, during worship, it was such a powerful time. Uh, we really loved being in the presence of God. How many of you love the presence of God? Right, worship team did such a phenomenal job. And uh, we're so grateful to God for um, such an awesome team that leads us into a time where we can minister to God, you know. Uh, worship is about ministering to God. It's about min- not telling Him something that He already knows. But worship is about reminding ourselves of who God is in that moment. And sometimes it requires us to just get out of our comfort zones and sing a little louder, clap a little more, uh, to remind ourselves of how awesome God is. Do you have an awesome God? It's really good. So I want to use this moment, welcome all those who are watching us online, um, the members of our church globally. We want to welcome you. We want to bless you. This church loves you. Yeah, you are a part of this family. We love you. You are a part of this as much as everybody in this room is. And uh, we're so grateful that we get to spend this moment with everyone in this room. I truly believe that, um, that you will not leave here the same way that you came into this room today. I believe that. Do you believe it? It's amazing. So we're continuing our series on mystical community. And uh, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about um, the Father, God as our Father. And today the title of my message is Chosen. Chosen. Touch your neighbor and say, Chosen. Ask your neighbor, do you know if you're chosen? Chosen. (laughs) So when you read through scripture, the way people have related to God in the Old Testament is completely different to how they relate to God in the New Testament. I'm not saying that God changed, but how man related to God changed. They communicated to a God because he was a God to them. You must understand when you read Abraham's, just a little bit of Abraham's past, you will see that he was in a city or a town that interacted with gods. So he knew this God to be a God amongst other gods. He knew this God to be the most powerful God because he promised them something. He gave them a promise and then he did that. All the other gods did not speak to Abraham, but this God spoke to Abraham. But he knew God as a God. And even when you look through how the sons of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, would interact, they would say, your God is now my God. They knew him as God. But something, when you look through scripture, we see that even though an individual knew God as God, the rest of the people did not know him as God. They would follow the individual who had a connection with a God. Are you with me? And so like, like they would tell Jesus, we are, we are of the seed of Abraham. Are you with me? 
And so now we, we see through the Old Testament individuals who would have some sort of relationship with God based on what this God would do for them. And they would give this God names. El Shaddai, Elohim, Adonai, Jehovah, Jireh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Based on what he did to them, did for them, they would give him a name. And that's how they would relate to this God. But something shifted with Jesus. It's not the New Testament or Old Testament. Something shifted between this God who was interacting with one person. Now he started interacting with all of humanity through Jesus Christ. So through Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen, God would interact not with just one person, but through Jesus Christ, he would interact with a generation. What changed between God and man is uh, through in, in Jesus Christ is that through Jesus Christ, Jesus became the way in which we would interact with God as a father. Are you with me? So the purpose of Jesus Christ in our lives is that Jesus Christ is the way in which we experience the father. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone who comes to the Father must come through me. So in, in essence, what I'm saying is, for you to experience the fullness of the Father, you have to be renewed in your mind and be transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. Are you with me? So Jesus is the blueprint. So every time I look at Jesus now and I abide in Christ, I experience the fullness of the Father. If I choose me and my identity, John, I will experience God as God. See, the Father has... Has it revealed himself completely, fully? There is nothing that God holds back from you. There's nothing that God holds back from you. And the only channel through which he made that possible is through Jesus Christ. So why do we need to renew our minds? with the, Why do you need to listen to me talk to you? Why do we need to go through this moment of church? It's because it is in this moment that you begin to receive into your mind the seeds of Christ. And the seeds of Christ begin to transform the way you think so that you can experience the Father to His fullest. His fullest. So which means God, the Father is revealing Himself completely to you, but you can hold back by being more of yourself. But the minute you step into Christ and receive revelation and receive the word of God into your mind, now every time you receive the word, the Father opens up. Isn't that amazing? So God is not holding himself from you. You are holding yourself from experiencing the fullness of the Father. So the more you step into Christ, the more you renew your mind with the word of God, the word of God is Christ, the more you receive it now, now the way to the Father begins to become clearer and clearer and clearer. Are you with me? Okay. So, the, so in John chapter 3 and verse 16, it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Are you with me? So something shifted before Jesus and something shifted with Jesus. What shifted? God decided, now I want to become a father to these people. 
I want to become a father to these people because without a father, they are running around fatherless. They are continuing in their sin because they don't have a father. And so when the disciples now with Jesus, when Jesus comes on the scene, the disciples are talking to Jesus and they say, Jesus, you know that other church that John the Baptist is at? They now are praying like this. They are praying, Jesus, John the Baptist, Pastor John the Baptist in that church is teaching his disciples how to pray. Can you, Jesus, in your church, teach us how to pray? Do you understand what's happening? Right? And so now Jesus says, okay, when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray, which means he's saying, when you pray to your father, prayer is communication. When you talk to your father, pray like this. Our Father doesn't say pray to God. Something shifted now in the communication. Something shifts. Something needs to shift from God being God to God being my. He says, Our Father who art in heaven. That word, Our Father, is the word Abba. It's a relational term. It's a term that is that is translated as. Dad, you're saying, my dad, who is in heaven? No, no, no. I don't know if it excites you as much, but, but he's saying, my dad, say this to my dad. You say it to my dad, okay? My dad. Right? He's saying this, hey guys, say this to my father. My father who is sitting in heaven, I want to talk to you and I want to reveal to you that your relationship with him is no longer God, 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 God. Now it shifts to a place of saying, my father. My father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. My father, let your kingdom come. My father, let your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. My father, give me today my daily bread. You see, it completely shifts the dynamic of communication with, the, with God because he is a father. And when, he's, when, when you shift your communication to God as a father, it completely changes from being independent to being dependent. It shifts from being this, I am self-sufficient. I got to strive and I got to do these works to saying, I'm depending on you to finish what I can't finish. Simple things, not just, let, let's, let's leave the kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done. Or let's leave that a little aside, although that's awesome. Simple things like, give me my daily bread. Just imagine every day when you talk to your heavenly father, it's like, it's like give me my daily bread, father. I'm depending on you for you to feed me today. Not like, wow, you know, people have said, well, spiritual food, Jesus. No, no, not spiritual food. He's really talking about, give me my bread for today. It's amazing. What an amazing father. He's like, he's completely taking us from this paradigm of, whoa, it's all spooky and supernatural and cloud by fire, you know, cloud by day, fire by night. Ah, the valley of dry bones, dead bones. Whoa, all that stuff to saying, God is now a father. You can talk to him about your needs. You can talk to him about 
God, I need bread to eat today. And Lord, with that bread, can I have some curry as well? And Lord, can I have some meat along with it? Lord, you know, I, I know that you told Peter, kill and eat. So can I have some of that stuff too? <laughs> but you have to talk to him as a father. You know, Christians have been praying very professional prayers all their lives. Father, in the name of Jesus. No, it's very, very church. You've been churched. You're not in a relationship. You're churched. You've gone to theology and doctrines and all that kind of stuff. And God has always been like, it's like this. You know, your dad is your dad at home. And you go through a school how to relate to him as a dad. It doesn't work. I want to study my, study God. It's good. You study God. It's important. It's very important. But how about studying your father? How about studying him? How about looking at, at, at what, he, what he says to you in his word? And you look at scripture and you go, wow, dad, I absolutely love it when you talk to me through your word. Completely changes your prayer time in the morning, doesn't it? Or evening or in my, my case, 24 hours a day. Now, I would love for you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. For those of you who don't have your Bible, we'll have the verses up here. Ephesians chapter 1. And we'll read from verses 3 to 5. Now I want you to listen to the language, okay? If you're looking at the screen here, I want you to... Read the language. Paul is a lawyer and he is a phenomenal communicator, okay? He's saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you get it? What I was saying to you now, I've just presented to you in the scripture. Blessed be the God and Father. So he is still your God. Don't think you... You know, some Christians have this, uh, this thing when they say, oh, my daddy God. You know, God is my daddy. Jesus is my best friend. I'm going to sit on his lap and all that. And yes, you can do that. That's absolutely fine. But he's also God who is all powerful. He's the creator God. He is mighty in all his ways. He's righteous and blameless and holy. And you have to have a certain reverence with him. Now, he's not, he's not, he's not you know, your chum that you just hang out with. He's still God that you can hang out with. Okay, so that's, that's God and Father, all right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Powerful. Which means your Father, who is God, has already blessed you. No more blessing for you now. Every blessing that you should have, you could have, you will ever have, has already been given to you. Amen, amen. <laughs> you guys like the blessing part, huh? <laughs> I mean, who doesn't like? I mean, Abraham also said, oh, I'm going to follow you because he said, I'll bless you. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing where? In the heavenly places, position in Christ. So the access to the heavenly, the blessings in the heavenly places is through so every time you renew your mind with the word of God, you have access to? 
you have access to blessings your father has kept blessings for you and those blessings are accessed when you renew your mind and you're transformed into the image and likeness of Christ so those blessings don't pray for you already have them So if you want to experience blessings in your life, don't ask God, God bless me, God, with more finances. Bless me with this. Bless me, bless me. I want to be blessed. He's already blessed you. What you need to do is have the key. The key is Christ. Christ is the way to the Father. Okay? Right. So just now, listen to this very carefully. Who has blessed us in the, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Listen to this. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. This is phenomenal. This is the greeting that Paul gives to the, if, the church in Ephesus. He greets you by saying, look, the blessings are already for you. But I want to tell you something that God has chosen each one of you even before the foundation of the world. He has chosen you even before the foundation of the world. Even before sin entered into the world. Even before God can, can change darkness into light and do all the creative miracles and all that kind of stuff He chose you. You're chosen. You're sitting in this room. You're watching us today because God has chosen you. Chosen. You're chosen. So to be chosen is not your right. It's a privilege. Ladies and gentlemen, the Greek word for chosen means I picked you. <laughs> the, 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 the meaning of, of chosen in Greek means I picked you, handpicked you. It's like when you go grocery shopping and you, you want to buy some fruit uh, and you look at the fruit and you look, you pick up the fruit and you check if it is good or not. Yes or no? Yeah. Why? Because you have, it should benefit you. Right? You have you as the beneficiary of picking up that fruit. So I chose you means that you are chosen for his benefit. Come on now. Are you with me? Now when God went to the grocery store to pick you, he didn't pick you based on your flaws. Are you with me? Because he chose you even before the foundation of the world. So why, even before the foundation of the world, you had no flaws, you had no sin, you had no mistakes. You were blameless. You were already all of that. So the reason why he picked you is because he wanted you for himself. Come on, man. He wants you for himself. He picked you for himself. What a privilege. Can you imagine of all the people in the world, of all the people in the world, he picked you. Wow. That is phenomenal. Some of us are like, oh my God, you know, woe is me and the life that I'm going to... He picked you. 
Oh, pastor, can you pray for all this? He picked you. He chose you. He didn't choose you because you were incomplete. He chose you because he wanted to complete you. Come on, man. But the religion in us will read this verse and say, just as he chose us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless. We should be holy and blameless. And all the parents would make their children be holy and blameless. And all the pastors and the leaders would make their people holy and blameless. Why? Because God chose you and you need to be holy and blameless. But I would love to submit this to you, that if you're reading the scripture carefully, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. To be holy. Not because you were holy. So which means your identity is not holiness. Your identity is having predestined us to adoption as sons. You want to know what your predestination, you want to know what your destiny is. Your destiny is to be full in the image and likeness of Christ. That is your destiny. Your destiny is sonship. Your destiny is to be a son that has a father. That is your destiny. Not to be a lawyer, doctor, all of that stuff is all expressions of sonship. But you must understand, he chose you primarily as a son. A son who is holy and blameless before him. Are you with me? So... The lens through which we see one another is, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some boundaries on this child now. I'm going to put some boundaries on this church and these people and the youth. And I'll put these boundaries. Why? Because they're, they're revealing some unholy behavior. See, the reason why you think that behavior is unholy is because in your mind, you're still under the law. That's why when people do certain things, we judge them. Because we're in prison. Right. So, moving on. He predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Which means, man, even before your, your existence on the earth, God was in good pleasure. He found choosing you as good pleasure. I don't know if you believe that about yourself, that your existence on the earth gives God good pleasure. I want you to, I want you to think about what I'm saying. Your heavenly father today, forget about what you do. Just the fact that you renew your mind that you are in Christ as a son, as his son, gives him good pleasure. Isn't that amazing? So, now I want you now to go to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to have some fun in the scripture today. 1 John chapter 3. Right, so verse 1 says this. Behold, he says, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. 
That word behold over there, in, in Greek, he's calling, Paul is calling us to look with the eyes of the mind. He's not calling you to look with your natural eyes. He's calling you to look with the eyes of your mind, the eyes of the spirit. And he's saying, behold, look at what manner of love is this. Look at what manner of love is this, that God would call you as his child. Look at what manner of love the father has bestowed. Bestowed is given. That's what bestowed means. Bestowed means he has given to us that we should be called children of God. So the fact that you are called a child of God, that you are handpicked, you're chosen by God, and that he calls you as his child, means that he is bestowing his love upon you. Which means that before that you, were, you did not have love. You did not experience love. But when you started relating to him as a father... He chose you so that he can bestow, give. Another word of bestow means lavish. When he calls you his child, he is lavishing his love upon you. Oh, come on now. I don't know about you, but when I saw Kelsey on stage today, I said she is intoxicated by God's love. She walked up on stage fully intoxicated. Why? It's because she experienced how much her father loves her. See, being lavished by love means this. You, it's your birthday today. And no, not today, you know, it was Max's birthday yesterday. But it's your birthday. It's your birthday today. And all you wanted was one toy car. But then your dad bought all the toy cars in the world and gave it to you. There is no end to the abundance of his love. That is what it means to be lavished by his love. Now from every, every person on the planet, all of creation, the beauty of creation, the mountains and valleys, the birds and fish, all of that stuff, all of them, he chose you. And the writer here, John, is saying, my goodness, the fact that he is calling you his children means that he is lavishing his love upon you. Isn't that amazing? See, we don't, we can't fathom it because the mindset of our Father, Heavenly Father, has been designed by our relationship with our earthly fathers. And the wounds that we have experienced from our earthly fathers has caused us to have a, a sort of a misalignment with the revelation of our earth, heavenly father. See, when we start talking about fathers, the sons go, well, you know, my father never hugged me. My father never loved me. My father never came to my sports game. Never, 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 never. And I, and I don't want to take that away from you because you're in a good place to experience how much your heavenly father loves you. And I don't need to tell you that your heavenly father is the one that gives you life and is continuing to give you life. Your heavenly father is the one that gives, allows you to breathe. Every single cell in your body exists today and is functioning. Every organ in your body is functioning today. You have a job today. You, you are in this room today. God has placed you. I can go on and on and on. But you must understand that every single aspect of your life is being lavished by love because you are a child primarily a child of your heavenly father. And that's what he's trying to say. Behold, why don't you look? Have a look. Have a look at your life. 
your earthly dad is not your heavenly dad. Even if your earthly dad is phenomenal, he's nothing compared to your heavenly father. In fact, he existed so that you can have a direct relationship with your heavenly father. So don't use that or the lack of his ability to raise you up as a child as an excuse to not have a revelation of God as your heavenly father. See, we need to see how Jesus had a revelation of his father because he is the way. What was Jesus' relationship with God as a father? He said, I only do what I see my father doing. I only speak what I hear my heavenly father saying. It might sound restrictive, but it's actually freeing. It's people talk more than what they should talk sometimes. And people don't do what they're supposed to do. Because they're not looking at what their heavenly father is doing. Right. Are you okay? Now, can we go a little deeper? Okay. So he's saying, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Now that word over there, we all know this, is the word agape. Alright? Agape love. How many of you heard agape love? Agape love, you know, the Greek word for love. Right? Agape. The four types of love. Right? Agape is... Have you, how many of you believe that agape love is unconditional love? Put your hand up. Okay, good. So I'm going to help you renew your mind a little bit. Okay? Agape love, the word unconditional love is not really what the writer in, was actually communicating. The unconditional love, this concept of unconditional love actually started by C.S. Lewis when he wrote a book called The Four Loves. Unconditional love really is unfair. You can't, you can't have unconditional love with each other. Because you will position yourself to get hurt over and over and over and over and over again. And people will take advantage of you. And they'll keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and you'll become a doormat without any wisdom. Unconditional love is not what the, the, the scripture is actually talking about. When I talk about unconditional love, agape means, are you ready for this? Agape means preference. Not unconditional. It means preference. Agape love means I prefer you more than I prefer myself. I prefer you. That's what agape love means. So when he's talking about behold what manner of preference the Father has bestowed on us. He's talking about preference. He's saying, behold, what manner of love, this manner, he, more than anybody else in the world, he prefers you. Oh, come on. Come on, man. See, you've got to come out of unconditional a little bit. You have to, that unconditional love has conditioned you to become... And we were like, oh God, God's love is agape love, is unconditional love. And, and we're trying to reach that. You'll never reach it. Because you're not yet God in your humanity. Just be okay with God completing you. 
See, true grace is that you acknowledge your weakness and your dependence on Him to complete you. That's grace. Are you with me? When we talk about agape love, behold what manner of preference is this. Wow. That God has bestowed upon us, which means preference is a measure that He puts on you. When He prefers you, everybody else will start preferring you. Oh no. See, preference has to do with favor. Love has more to do with favor than anything else. When we talk about true love, true love, agape love, God's love, it's as simple as I prefer you more than anybody else right now. That's why I chose you. Come on, man. I don't know if you feel special, but you know what? I feel very special. When I read this, I feel like God above everybody else picked me. He picked me to do what I'm doing right now. But more than anything else, he picked me to be his son. Even if I don't do what I'm doing right now, for the rest of my life, God is fully satisfied with me being a son. Are you with me? It's because of that love that he bestowed upon me that I'm able to do what I'm doing today. I make a choice to do this. I choose to suffer because it gives him good pleasure for me to be his son. Oh, come on now. Are you with me? And he's pointing to the reality that God prefers you more than anybody else. That you should be called children of God. You should be called children of God. So when God picks you, all of heaven knows that this is a son of God. Actually, not just a son of God. You are transformed into the image and likeness of the son of God. So which means the way heaven looks at you is the same way that it looks at Jesus. Don't look at your behavior patterns. Don't look at your character. Don't look at anything else. Just look at how the father sees you. He picks you. And now look at how heaven sees Jesus. It sees Jesus blameless, holy. Blameless before the father. How many of us go before the Father confessing our sins because we were taught, confess your sins, repent of all your misery and now come before God confessing your sins and He will accept you. If I were to submit this to you that God is not interested in you confessing your sins to Him because God has already washed all of your sins on the cross. 2,000 years ago, all your sin, all your mistakes was already washed. He looks at you the same way he sees his son, Jesus. But you can go to the father as yourself or you can go to the father as the son. See, my prayer life with God completely shifted the day I would communicate to the father as Jesus. I would imagine myself, I would meditate and I would enter into a place of becoming Christ-like and from Christ, I would talk to the father. See, it is in that place that all the desires of your heart are met. Because you realize that it's not your desires, but it's Christ's desires in you that the Father is fulfilling. Agape love is divine love, divine preference. 
you have been sealed and marked by God. I want you to understand the, 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 the greatness of your call. Your call. You've been sealed and marked with the blood of Jesus. Do not consider the identities that you had and what your friends told you, what your parents told you. I want you to come into a place where you embrace your identity as a son of God. Are you with me? Now, I want you to go to 1 Peter chapter 2. And we'll read one, one verse over there. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says this. But you are a chosen generation. Say that. I'm a chosen generation. But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. <laughs> a holy nation. Get this. His own special people. Oh, I don't know if that makes you feel special or not. So it's not what's happening in your life that makes you feel special. The fact that he chose you means that you are special. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness, darkness into his marvelous light. Who were once, who once were not a people but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. It's amazing where he's saying, you are a chosen generation, a chosen generation. You're not just a single person now. You're a chosen generation by God. He handpicked you to be a part of these people. Handpicked. Handpicked by God. Your identity and how you function from this moment on is that I am a royal priest what, what is the responsibility of a priest a priest's responsibility is to minister to God and serve people but you're not just a normal priest now you're a royal priest what does that mean you're part of royalty Heavenly royalty. Well, you might say, well, pastor, after this church, it's awesome that you're saying I'm part of royalty, but you know, I live in this place and I have this and my salary is this and you're still considering yourself not chosen by God. You have to say this, I am chosen as royalty. I am a royal priest. So which means I'm a priest unto God. I'm here to minister to God. And I'm here to serve royalty. So the people that are sitting around you, the children that are in kids' church, the teachers, everything around you here is royal. So how you communicate to one another reveals whether you're a pauper or you are a prince. So how you see yourself determines how you, con how you serve people. If you consider yourself, I am not worthy, then everybody else around you is not worthy. 
But if you see yourself as being worthy, standing before God, blameless and holy, then everybody else around you, no matter what they do, is blameless and holy. We should stop spending, we should, we should consider cutting back from trying to correct people and just allowing people to be themselves. I think it'll save us a lot of energy. Are you with me? Touch your neighbor and say, I'm a royal priesthood. So you're a royal priesthood? A holy nation? A special people? Right? You're special. Are you with me? Okay. Now when God calls you his son, that word son is the word huyos. I've preached about it for so many years. Huyos means, are you ready for this? Huyos means, are you ready? Okay. Huyos means a direct descendant of God. Just think about that. Just think about it. You're a direct descendant of a God. Wow, you know, uh, Pastor John, (laughs) there is nothing God-like about my life. That's because you don't believe that you are handpicked by your Heavenly Father. You still believe that you are in darkness. You still believe that you're a sinner. But when you believe that you are handpicked by your heavenly father to be his direct descendant, it means that all his nature, all of his attributes, all of his character, all of his abilities have already been given to you. Come on now. That is powerful. Now, I want you to go back to 1 John chapter 3. And I want you to read now, we'll read verses 7 to 10. It says this, okay, you're royal priesthood, holy nation, right? You're a direct descendant of God, which means what I'm reading here, I'm talking about your character and your behavior now is not according to your human nature. See, what we correct most of the time in our life and what we don't like about one another is our humanity. But here... John is saying, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. Just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of Man, Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Do we believe that he destroyed the works of the devil? So which means it's destroyed, right? The works of the devil, is it destroyed? 2,000 years ago, if you did not know it, 2,000 years ago, Jesus completed. He destroyed every work of the devil. The work of the devil does not exist today. Now, whoever has been born of God does not. Now, I want you to read that. Read that. Read that with me. One, two, three. Whoever. Wait, 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 wait. I just want you to read that part. (laughs) 
I want you to read it again. Read it out aloud, okay? One, two, three. Whoever Are you born again? Yes. Are you born of God? Yes. Is God your heavenly father? Yes. You can't sin anymore. You can't sin anymore. Why? Because the law has been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. All the requirements of the law is fulfilled, which means the law, you are no longer under the law, but you are under grace, which means grace gives you the ability now to practice righteousness. So which means your kids running around like that, they're not doing anything wrong. Your Christian brother or sister who is smoking shisha is not doing anything Come on now. Look, there's a legal age limit to do all things. Follow the law of the land. Okay, I'm not asking you to disobey the law of the land. But you, there is a law that has come down from generations to generation that imprisons people as they're growing up. And I'll tell you why. Okay, let's read on. Whoever has been born of God does not sin for his seed remains in him. Whose seed? God's seed remains in you. If you are born again, it means that God's seed remains in you. So everything that you do is righteous. There is no sin, man. Oh, sin and all its effects were finished on the cross. But if you consider something to be a sin, it will be a sin to you. And the wages of sin is death. So when we start correcting people about sin, what we're saying is we, you are going to be punished by death. We're making them more aware of sin that leads to Now, this is, this is the lavishing of the Father's love. Whoever has been born of God does not sin for his God seed remains in him and he cannot sin. Cannot. I don't know about you, but I love this. You can't sin. I don't know. Like when I read the scripture like this, you know, I, I just, I feel like jumping out of my seat and running up and down. You can do that. You're free to do it. If you feel like doing it, you can do it. You can't sin. Everybody online, you are not able to sin. You can't sin anymore. There is no sin. It's a hard pill to swallow for some. But just take it. Take it. God will explain later. Go to your father. Ask him, what are you saying through this guy? <laughs> and then he'll explain to you. Now, verse 10. Now listen to this. Listen to this very carefully. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. This is how you know. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. No, is he who does not love his brother. So how do you know you are of God? It's when you practice righteousness and if you prefer your brother more than you, prefer yourself. 
Come on now. <laughs> now, I'd love for you to go to 1 John, since we're all in 1 John, chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 in verse 17 says this. Are you there? Love or preference has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. I'm going to read that again. Love has been perfected among us in this. Preference. God's preference has perfected in us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. See, look, all of us are scared of being judged. Are you not? Now you don't want to answer because you don't know. What, what is he saying? He's taking this whole thing and throwing it out. We are not afraid to stand before our Heavenly Father in the day of judgment. Why? Because we're righteous. When you and I embrace the fact that we have boldness on the day of judgment... It means that God now doesn't have a problem with you. That's why no matter what you do today, no matter how you behave or your flaws or whoever turns them as flaws, you can stand before God as righteous. You can stand before your heavenly father as blameless. And on the day of judgment, you know there's an assurance in your heart that as, listen to me, as he is, so are we in this world. He's talking about Christ now. So the, the preference of the Father completes us and perfects us and he transforms us into the image and likeness of Jesus so that on the day of judgment you have the boldness that Jesus has to stand before the Father. Just as he is before the Father, so are you in this? No, no, I need you to understand. Just as Jesus is today, so are you in this? Not in heaven, here. Just as Jesus is before the Father, so are you in this world. Now he goes on to say this. Verse 18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Why? Because fear involves torment or punishment I want you to listen to me very carefully look at this verse there is no fear in love, that word fear means phobia when you are afraid, when you have fear it means that you are scared of punishment yeah. 
let me put it in a way that you relate if you're fearful of a cockroach it means that cockroach has the power to punish you let me upgrade it a little bit if you're fearful of a spider or a rat what you're saying is that that rat or that spider has the power to punish you and so fear means i'm escaping i want to run that's a phobia but he's saying there is no fear in god's preference of you when god chooses you there is no fear there's no need to fear there is no fear in his preference in fact when he prefers you he has cast out fear completely all your phobias are all gone all your fear are gone see but all fear is fear of being punished that's why we control people that's why we actually punish our kids it's because we want them to fear we want them to learn fear because if you if you're fearful of me then you will do whatever i tell you to do and you'll do as i say do it ah and so we come to church now and we're fearful we sit in the chair why because my behavior is not acceptable in this atmosphere i've got to be and dress in a certain way in church otherwise these people are going to punish me god is going to punish me i want you to know that god is not looking out to punish you now i'm not saying well just let the people do whatever they do the bad behavior let them do it let them let them destroy their lives no 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 i'm not saying that you are righteous we've got to teach our kids to be more aware of righteousness than be more fearful of us We've got to teach our children. We've got to teach the people around us to not be afraid. See, we we carry so much of false humility when we come into church. I believe that that all the people in surge are still full of fear. You call yourselves full of power, but when you come into church, you don't display your freedom. Why? Because your mom and dad are in this room. Your mom and dad have controlled you and manipulated you and and put fear into you. because he didn't know any better I can boldly say this because I have no fear I'm not afraid of you I'm not afraid of what you will do about to me or to my church or to these people in this room honestly I don't care because God has hand picked every single person and brought them into this room It's our responsibility to set people free from fear. See, what we do as parents is that we create a a prison environment at home that they can't talk, they can't speak, they can't be themselves, they can't dream for themselves. I will tell you where you need to go. I will tell you what you need to do. I will t- I will tell you. I will tell you if you don't do what I tell you to do, I'm going to punish you. I'm going to put you in the corner of the room. Can you imagine? That is someone that has been handpicked by God. And we say, "Wow, God, you've given us a gift. Thank you for this child. We dedicate this child to you." And then we take them and put them through a life of imprisonment. And 
we come into church and we wonder why is my child running after smoking and drinking and and pornography and all that kind of stuff why am i catching them and doing the, all these things why why are they doing these things is because all of those things are forms of escapism of a pain and a reality that they're trying to escape from home it's a prison at home You're not allowed to meet your friends. Why? Because they'll have a influence on you and I'm seeing you behaving like this and I'm seeing you doing like this and I caught you smoking and I caught you drinking and I, and you are doing shisha and all that kind of stuff. But you must understand that we create the environment. If it's a hostile environment, if it's an imprisoned environment, if, if the kids are in prison at home, they will escape and be something else outside and at home they'll be something else. You think your children are all good they don't know anything and you know everything let me tell you something they're in a prison and today parents need to be set free from the prison you have created for your life as much as the prison that you've created put your children in and I'm not just talking to people in the room I'm talking to people globally as well we've got to come into a place where we understand that bad behavior is not unrighteous behavior it's a symptom of what you've made at home if you show your children what it means to live a life of right standing before god you don't have to tell them you don't have to force it on them you don't have to force righteousness on people see jesus did not one day tell his disciples you need to be righteous in fact he said you are clean because of the words i spoke to you see the words that we speak to one another can either put dirt on them or clean them up see our children have forgotten what it means to dream the people in our church have forgotten what it means to dream to dream to become somebody great because we think no only this thing is the way that you should go you should be only be a lawyer or you should be an engineer or doctor and that's the only way because why because you need to make money because when i retire somebody needs to take care of me i don't know i'm i am by your response i know i'm speaking the truth i know it's going in i know it's going in but you must understand that our insecurities are being multiplied into our children's lives and our friends' lives because when we don't have a revelation of a father who fully accepts us before you're a dad and a mom you're a son you're a son who is loved lavishly loved 